Hey, dude, how's it going? Pretty good, Seth. How, how about yourself? Hanging in. Um, we uh, basketball is sneaking up on us again. It is. It feels like it just ended. Well, it did. Yeah. But we're all of a sudden in the the rumor phase of mm-hmm. uh, the off season. One of my favorite phases. It's honestly pretty thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, dopamine boosts. It's true. Um, somebody said to me the other day, you must be excited that the basketball season just ended and that the new one is starting. Life's pretty good for you. And I was, I was thinking, I think I, I think I said yes, but I was thinking, um, no, life isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you think, um, you remember that brand life is good? Yes. Do you think they're really suffering right now? Um, I, mm, no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Do you think people are still buying Life is Good shirts? <laughs> it's a great question. Like, life is mediocre? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> life is a struggle? Life has been better. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, well, one shitty thing that happened this week um, is that uh, Celtics legend Tommy Heinsohn died. Mm-hmm. And I just like since since we both are Celtics fans, I and I'm sure um, have spent a lot of time over the course of our lives listening to that man's voice. <laughs> um, I I I did want to just like get, maybe get your thoughts a little bit about him and like uh, and just to recap for pe- if if anyone who is listening to this happens to not be aware, the man was a Hall of Fame player. He won. Mm-hmm eight championships in nine seasons and made the finals every season mm-hmm. was a great forward, a uh, great rebounder, pretty good scorer. Um, my uh, later years in broadcast, Mike Gorman was fond of saying that Tommy never met a shot. He didn't want to take, uh, which is, which is funny. And, um, and then he coached the Celtics and won a couple championships as a coach. Mm-hmm. And then he became an announcer and was like, uh, is maybe a polarizing figure as an announcer, but was beloved in the in the Boston sports world. Um, what do you think about when you think about Tommy? Oh, um, yeah, I, I immediately think of Tommy points. Oh, um, good point, good point. I was trying to figure out what who got the last Tommy point, and I, <laughs> I my like uh, half-ass research didn't full. I didn't fully figure it out. Yeah, but I did come across like. Um, you know, Tony Allen talking about why Tommy points were so important to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how many, how he got so many, but, um, and it made me realize that like, what is great about Tommy points is they do sort of highlight the thing that I also sort of cherish about basketball. Yeah. You know, they really, they really like underscore like hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they are a little bit gimmicky. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's sort of my memory of it is that it felt super gimmicky, gimmicky to me at first. Like I remember when the Tommy points thing started, because mm-hmm. it, it, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a thing he had done like all through his career. It, it started like in the two thousands. Okay, um, I don't remember a time without it. Yeah, yeah. So I re- I kind of remember when it was starting. I don't remember what triggered it, but it was like. Um, it, it it seemed to coincide with his sort of like uh, basketball love affair with Walter McCarty, hmm. um, and the whole like I love Walter thing, like <laughs> thing that Tommy had going on, um, and it was like 
those teams in the mid 2000s were pretty lousy um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it felt like a um it felt like a great way to celebrate like you know we were talking last week i think about the win-loss binary and like it felt like a great way for an announcer to celebrate something that existed outside that binary um like it, it 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 is about winning in a certain way but it was really just about the hustle part like yeah yeah and not really concerned about the results like in some ways the ultimate tommy point was doing something crazy and full of effort that was like futile sure absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and i uh that also touches on like um something less gimmicky about his his broadcasting that was uh, they always stuck with me is that when the Celtics were bad, he still brought the energy mm-hmm. and the enthusiasm every night. There was a real, I mean, love of the game, and then also like a just pure devotion to this uh, franchise and to this institution that like never waned. Yep. And I mean, t- t- to be honest, uh, it started, it did, it got to be a little bit much. Uh, in the last couple seasons because he became sort of a very overt homer yeah um in a way that started to grade on me but um uh i always i always found it very i ultimately found it very endearing yeah and also uh you know kind of impressive because it's easy to zone out or tune out a team that sucks yeah and there were quite a few years i mean like the celtics have been by and large like among the best franchises in sports like so it's not Mm -hmm. like there's been like a ton of lean years but like i don't know there was he started calling games for the celtics in the early 80s on tv maybe late 70s and like um they were they were really good through the 80s but the 90s were terrible and a lot of the 2000s weren't so great either and like right um there were some really depressing years too i mean like player like great players died like I know. It, it was a lot and tommy tommy was a like a fount of energy um and an incredibly positive person like <laughs> um and it just like i don't know when i think of the the like um like friends of mine from that period of my life like from the uh early 2000s like uh the texts that i got the other day when tommy died were all just like I hope he's with the the redhead from Needham now. And like, you know, he like how many guys like shout out their wife, like on the, on the telecast or like, yep. yeah. Um, and there were these stories the other day about like, um, you know, the way Tommy sort of like cared for his wife when she had cancer at the end. And mm-hmm. like, um, I, I don't know. And like his whole, his whole like, career as a painter, that that, like, <laughs> right. that exists aside all of this stuff he just like what a beautiful person like yeah um because we're talking about his like personal relationships yeah uh one other thing i want to celebrate about him is like his his relationship with mike gorman yeah, yeah. is just like a model for like i don't know like i guess both male friendships and also like uh aging friendships yeah yeah um and the way that they seem to continue to sort of just like uh, really enjoy each other's company in this very public setting, yeah, um, yeah. game after game. 
Yeah, and like uh, I don't know, it's that's been an important model for me over the years. The mm-hmm. way the way they laugh at each other, the way they're yes. wi- the way they're like willing to get emotional with each other a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's definitely some sort of vulnerability. Um, they really they like. Both- yeah. They were like not shy at all, even in the context of a sports broadcast about like yeah. expressing their true love for one another. Um, <laughs> and that's amazing. You don't yes. see it. All, you don't see it all that often. I um, guess it's also I guess uh, it's really cool that, you know, for um, obviously as sad as it is that he passed, that he managed to do what he loved right up until the end. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because he was calling games. uh throughout the course of this whole season yeah well and doing the studio show and like yep, yep. yeah um so i did want to just tell a couple i have like a couple tommy stories like um Go for it. and but the one i wanted to make sure i told like uh just to get it down on the record is like um <laughs> that when i was nine years old i was like lucky enough to meet him and um so my cousin michael won a um trip through Sports Channel, who was broadcasting Celtics games on cable at the time, they had this thing called the Sixth Star Award, which was like you voted for the player who you believe best exemplified Celtics pride. <laughs> um, and at the end, like they would pick the player, and of all the people who voted for that player, they would be entered in this like drawing, and the winner of the drawing would win tickets to like a road playoff game, like a trip to a road playoff game, assuming the team was in the playoffs that year. So um, my cousin voted, the player that year who won the award was Ed Pinckney, um, who the Celtics acquired when they traded away Danny Ainge to the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> um, and Ed Pinckney was this like great reboot. He actually sort of like a disappointing career maybe in some ways. He had won the national title in college. Okay. He, was, he was on the Villanova team that upset Georgetown. And... Um, but he never became a great NBA player, but was like a great rebounder and a great like hustle and energy guy. Um, and uh, so we, my cousin, like one day I was watching a Celtics game, and I you we saw on TV that my cousin Michael had won these tickets. Like they announced <laughs> it during the game. That's so cool. And he, but he couldn't go, and so um, my aunt Karen took brought me to indianapolis to a road playoff game with these tickets and so we were staying in the hotel that the team was staying in and like we were like sort of like near the team at the airport and stuff and i remember two things one was like at breakfast in the hotel going up to tommy tommy was sitting with like these other tv people there was this guy jimmy myers who used to do the studio show and like mm-hmm. a few other people and like nobody like my, I think my aunt like made me go over and talk to them. I was like, too, <laughs> I was like too shy, but I like did it anyway. And like none of these guys like wanted to give me the time of day except Tommy and like Tommy talked to me for a minute and like was sweet. And then in the airport the next day, like waiting for the flight, he like I, I went over and talked to him again. He like talked to me for like a good few minutes like he like really sat there and like he was like so you love basketball and i was like yeah and he was like um he was like what hand do you dribble with and i was like i'm a lefty and like um so he and i said i i actually like need to work on my right hand a lot and like so he had this advice when he, he told me that oscar robertson would walk to school every day 
and dribble with his left hand, and on the way home he would dribble with his right hand, and that that was how Oscar Robertson became a great ball handler. That's good advice. And that story really stuck with me, and it was just like so nice that he like talked to me. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I, it's hard to describe to people who like aren't Boston people, but like he was really just like an incredibly larger than life person. He was just this giant man with this gravelly voice. And like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, I really, even when he annoyed me sometimes over the years, I'm just like, I have a lot of love for him. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there aren't any, I, he's a total individual, like a total unique, a one of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. the broadcast will never be the same. Yeah, it won't. Yeah. Um, that was a totally unique era that will that we lived through a long one too like, yeah absolutely yeah 30 years more than 30 years um okay so uh in other celtics news um there's been some weird rumors this week mm-hmm. um involving some trades and one of them is that the celtics are pursuing drew holiday right and then the other one is this like uh and and i haven't heard anything with that drew holiday trade except like speculation that it might involve Kemba. And mm-hmm. then more than that speculation that it involves the Celtics trading their three first round picks, 14, 26 and 30 for like one higher pick that they could then use to like sweeten the pot in that trade. A right. Little bit. Right. Okay. Um, so, and then the other rumor is this like Gordon Hayward for miles Turner rumor <laughs> that I don't totally understand because Miles Turner only makes like half the money Gordon Hayward. Like, I don't exactly hmm. know what's going on there unless it's a sign in trade, maybe. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask you the real question that I found myself thinking about around this trade mm-hmm. or around the idea of trading these guys is like, what does a team owe a player that they signed as a free agent to right, a long term right. deal? Like, um, so, like, both Hayward and Kemba uh, are players who would have had a ton of suitors on the open market when yep. they were free agents, and the Celtics convinced them to sign with the Celtics. Sure. And I'm just, I don't, like, and I guess I'm thinking about, like, all the outcry over trading Isaiah Thomas a few years ago, and, like, yeah, um, like, just what what does a team owe a player? Um who they sign as a free agent. I'm, I, I I guess I'd like to start there. Like what thoughts do you have about that? Yeah. Well, one thing about the Isaiah Thomas trade, uh, which uh, is a very extreme example for, for many reasons, but that was, that was not a free agent. Um, no, he was not a free agent. That was no. a trade. Um, but it, uh, how many years does Kemba have on his contract? So he has two more seasons after this coming season. Okay. Um, um, but and the let me let me make sure I have this right. But the, and I believe the last, um, the last year on that deal is a player option. Okay. But I mean, ultimately for Hayward, ultimately the he's basically you know he's played three years in Boston. Like it's not like they're flipping him for something after a season or something. Like he's been here. Yep. He's, as I've said before on this podcast, he's like a tragic figure mm-hmm. in, in the Celtic um, narrative. And um, ultimately, like, what, what is owed is probably, the answer to that is probably, like, whatever is said behind closed doors. 
like if they're saying to these guys like, yeah. hey, you know, you're our future, and then yeah. they're turning around and training them a year later, like that's messed up. But if it's like, um, hey, we're gonna offer you this much money, you know, you should accept it. Yeah. You know, come compete with us. That's different. It's like it then it then it comes down to like, okay, this is like a business, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like the Isaiah Thomas thing is strange because okay, if he got traded after really sacrificing a lot physically and emotionally yeah. and but it was also basically like the right thing to do 100% um, in term in terms of like the team would have been bad for a while if we had paid him the Celtics yeah. had paid him like you know the the max or or whatever he wanted um yeah so it gets complicated yeah one well, of my so, yeah go well I, so i just wanted to correct myself so he uh, Kemba's contract is um uh, for this coming season, it's thirty four point four million. Mm-hmm. The following season, thirty six million. The season after that, player option for thirty seven point seven million, and that's it. I just, um, I would be very surprised if Ainge traded away Kemba for almost any reason. Huh? Why? Because um, he is someone Ainge seems he you know he he makes his fair share of mistakes as a gm but mm-hmm. um he ultimately seems to really value guys who he views as like competitors mm-hmm. and just hearing him talk about kemba after the playoffs this year he doesn't generally just like go out of his way to start stick up for people but he made it really clear that he was like that's not the kemba we know he wasn't right from his knee injury um and then also sort of just singing his praises about how what he brings to the team sort of on like mm-hmm. an emotional level, like how much he inspires everyone else and how much they love him in the locker room. I just think he like doesn't stick his neck out for people unless um, he believes in them. Um, and so if the question is like, is this team better if you swap Drew Holiday and Kemba Walker? I, bl- I don't believe that Ainge thinks the answer to that is yes. What do you think? <laughs> um it's it's a tough I think one. They, yeah, I think that might be a little bit better, honestly. Yeah, I do um, yeah. In, in, if like if this is a deal where it's like Drew Holiday and and Hayward are the main pieces getting swapped, then it's like a no brainer. Yep. Because as far as I'm concerned, you can trade Hayward for almost anything, or you can not trade him. Yep. You can let him walk away for nothing. Yep. Uh, and I'm fine for either because I really truly believe that like this Celtics team. It's gonna. They're gonna live or die by Tatum and Brown. Yep. And to some extent, Marcus Smart. And everything else to me is a little bit subsidiary. Yep. I agree with that. Well, I mean, like, um, Drew is, in my opinion. Well, it's interesting. Like to think about what what Kemba Walker is as a basketball player is interesting. I mm-hmm. guess. Like to to go back to the question about like what a what a team owes a player in this instance, I I yeah. do think, like, you know, like part of it has to. You were talking about like what gets uh, said behind closed doors. I think there's also like the narratives that it that a team spins around yeah. the acquisition of a player. And with Kemba, there was all this shit about like New England and like yeah coming back to New England and like, so there is that piece of it. I. I will say at the same time, I believe that the reason they signed Kemba Walker is not because they were so infatuated with Kemba Walker. They were losing Al Horford and Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. and they had all of a sudden when it became like suddenly clear that they were losing Horford, 
they suddenly had maximum cap space that they weren't going to have again. Right. And right. you got to use it because yeah. um, if they hadn't used it, they'd end up being capped out anyway, most likely. And they mm-hmm. wouldn't have a chance to sign a player like that. So what? So even if Kemba, like I do think that there's like a piece of all this that's like purely asset management. Yeah, and and, yeah. Like, and that like, I guarantee you, Ainge is thinking about like how do I use this giant contract to make the team like younger and more like more competitive. Right, right. Yeah, I, you're right, and that is a savvy move. Yeah. Um, to, to pick up Kemba and then it might be a savvy move to flip Kemba. Yeah. But I will say that like, so I, as someone who grew up watching a lot of UConn basketball, yeah, I totally buy into those New England narratives and I love that he came back to New England. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like if, if he played one season on the Celtics and they got traded somewhere else, like he's not going to look, he's going to like, he made it to the conference finals after like years of never getting out of the first round. Yeah. Like good things happen for both sides. Like, um, yeah. So I, I'm also curious about like what the Pelicans want out of this deal. And I wonder if they would want someone who's not on their um, trajectory because Kemba Walker is obviously so much older than all of their young stars. And I yeah. wonder if it is more interesting for them to get someone like Hayward who whose deal then expires after a year. So he's an expiring contract and then a bunch of or one high level first round pick. Yeah, I mean, my guess... So, I want to take some guesses about what's going on with the Hayward situation, too. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think basketball-wise, Kemba's it may be a better fit there than Drew, um, given mm-hmm. what what else they have in the roster. Like, they like Lonzo is not a ball-dominant point guard. It's true. Kemba gives you a little more shooting than Drew. So, like, offensively, if you're, like... If you're trying to... If you know you're not a contending team... And you're trying to just get everybody like comfortable on offense and like yep. figuring out their roles. There's a way where Kemba is gonna like let Ingram and Zion do like be themselves a little more, and Lonzo to be honest. Yeah, you're right that Lonzo is more effective off the ball. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but that is, that is definitely true. Yeah, I, it, it does make sense in some ways to just have someone who's trustworthy with the rock just out there all the time. But it is kind of interesting the ways in which, like, despite there being nominally point guards, neither Drew or nor Kemba feels like a point guard to me exactly. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. like Kemba's assist totals are pretty low for a point guard. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think he sees the floor well, but certainly it's not, like, what's special about him. Is right, that, right. Like, um, and, and Drew... Um, I... Drew is like a bulldog, but I don't know that he's like, I think he's got all the stuff you would need, but he just like offense isn't where he's hanging his hat, you know, like, uh, well, certainly what's appealing about him and why he would fit really well in the Celtics is that he's an incredible defender. Who's also like a, like a, a big defender. Yeah. Yeah. And he would fit really well in all those versatile lineups that the Celtics already have. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. he would have, he would have looked really good in that Toronto series. Yeah. And I think, I think like, between Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, I'm not sure. I feel like they have enough, like, on the ball, like, getting around people, making passes, energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Jalen's getting better at passing. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm much more worried about losing Hayward's passing than I would be about losing Kemba's passing. Sure, sure. To be honest. Yeah. Um, 
But the, okay, so then like the thing with Hayward, the Hayward rumor, just to like sort of connect all this. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how that Indiana, like, how does how does this make sense for Indiana if, um, if it's a, if it's if Hayward's opting in. That's like a lot of money for them to take on in the short term if it's just Miles Turner. And um, so my my guess is that those rumors from like a week ago about Hayward sort of like surfing the league to see if he can find like a version of that Al Horford deal from last year. Mm. Like, I don't know, maybe Indiana is a team that's willing to pay him, like, let's say to sign him to like a. What does the deal have to be to make it worth his while? Like, if Indiana is willing to give him like ninety million over four years, let's say, right, that probably is enough to make it worth his while to opt out of thirty four for this year. Yep. Um, and then that salary makes a little more sense as a salary that you trade. Like the Miles Turner for Hayward thing makes a little more sense to me, and maybe because you're saving the Celtics like ten million bucks in that trade, even with the like change in the contract like maybe if if it's a sign and trade that means both teams are going to be hard capped afterwards so it has to be worth the celtics while to hard cap themselves if you're mm-hmm. doing that and right. um so and my guess is indiana would need an asset back like that like that 14th pick or something uh-huh. um in order to like i don't know like it caught you gotta pay something for saving 10 million bucks so like um <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like that. I don't actually like Miles Turner very much as a player, mm-hmm. but I sort of like that as like a if that gets the Celtics enough under the tax that they're willing to use their mid level. I don't know. I'm I'm interested in like yeah in that, in that possibility, but I don't think I don't think Hayward can just go anywhere. Like I don't think um like I don't picture Hayward agreeing to a contract like that with new orleans necessarily you know what i'm saying he like, wants to be in the playoffs well and he i i think he probably has like places he wants to live and that yeah, indiana yeah. might be one of those places he's like a, he's like a midwest boy he's from indiana he's from indiana yeah gotcha yeah yeah um, yeah that, that all makes sense so i don't know i'm just like i'm not sure what's going on with hayward or what he wants my guess is he just wants, like, if he can get a really good extension, he wants a really good extension. Yeah. And if he can't, he's going to just take the 34 million bucks, is my guess. But I, I'm so intrigued by, like, uh, all this money going forward because I thought there was, like, this existential crisis that the NBA was experiencing because of this loss of revenue due uh-huh. to COVID. Yeah. But then I see all these rumors where it's, like, teams are considering signing or trading for. Chris Paul training for Westbrook. And I thought those players would would be totally off limits because who would want to take on like a $40 million a year contract when uh, a team's already lost so much money? Well, um, that's a, that's a good point, except that the money part, these contracts for next year are not going to be what they sound like. Um, Because the, um, the NBA is going to take more money out of like for escrow of the contracts. And then, so like the players are just going to make whatever proportion, like at the end of the year, they're going to figure out how much revenue they made as a league. 
and the revenue gets split 50-50 and the contracts get adjusted accordingly. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought that they were, I thought those were like uh, pretty firm numbers. They are, um, they are firm numbers in terms, but they, they remain tied to revenue. Gotcha. Um, and it sounds like the league has come up with a deal with the players that involves, because there were these projections about what that escrow number was going to be and it was getting up to like 30 or 40%. Like mm-hmm. that they were going to take out a huge percentage of the contracts. Yeah. Um, but the then the final number that came out was something like 18%. And mm-hmm. the, it seems like the league has agreed to like basically like it's basically going to be an IOU. Like the players are going to owe some of that money back the following season. And so I don't think, you know, in some ways this is the best year to have a guy on a shitty contract because like the the 40 million dollars you or whatever that you owe Russell Westbrook um if you lop 20% off that what is that's like 32 and mm-hmm. then and then like um and you're protected out the next year like um it's it, yeah it it might be a good year to like to to eat some bad money if you're a, if you're a lousy team trying to put like trying to like get a better tv contract i don't know like yeah 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 okay that makes more sense to me actually because i you know i had said uh, i i had made a prediction that all of these sort of i've been calling them albatross contracts yeah yeah that only that they would just be traded for each other yeah and that seems to be that theory seems to already have been totally blown up by these rumors that i've been seeing where I actually was just way off base yeah i don't know we'll see i mean um i guess you're right we'll see but like you know the knicks are fishing around uh i saw the suns are interested in chris paul like, yeah 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 uh well that chris paul contract is no longer seen as an albatross there's only one year left two years left but he made the all nba team last he was year, good yeah. he was good yeah um the um oh the re- uh, i wanted to bring up that escrow piece though because i think this actually affects gordon hayward's decision also mm-hmm. so like if you're gordon hayward it affects guys who have like one year left on their deals there's like they have to be thinking about like if you're gonna lose 20 percent of that contract um anyway does it make sense to sign for less money this year if you get more money out into the future so like yeah, i yeah. think it actually could sweeten the pot for him if he's thinking about you know for example that deal i mentioned earlier like if indiana was willing to pay him 90 million over four years the hit he's taking this year is going to get softened by like lopping this 20 percent off um, gotcha yeah yeah so i don't know I could, yeah that could yeah. factor in yeah um let's see the um so but just to get to get myself on the record here i don't I don't love the idea of trading Hayward for Miles Turner, especially if it means giving up a draft pick. Miles Turner is not a piece I'm super interested in. Uh huh. Um, I don't think he like. I don't like his feel for the game when I, I watch. Yeah, him. I, I I know what you're saying. I basically agree with you. Um, it's interesting that for someone that tall, yeah, he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to have that big of an impact on parts of the game that people that tall usually. He, he blocks shots, but that's about it. Yeah, I guess I'm talking about rebounding. Yeah. Um, but my sort of like one caveat with with a lot of trades the Celtics make is like I'm curious to see what would happen 
if he was being coached by Stevens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is like a totally, I know, a totally Homer thing to say. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we watched Brad Stevens uh, unlock Evan Turner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I guess I just like, I don't think... I think everything that we were like Daniel Tice is a really nice player, but there's all these things that we complain about involving. Yeah. I think Miles Turner's like I don't think he's better at any of the stuff that we complain about Daniel Tice not being good at. <laughs> like I think he's getting steamrolled by big centers also. Like <laughs> yeah, but maybe not. Um, you know, there there was that joke about the war on Tice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because oh, he got called point. for. Yeah, call like I think that that thing was real. Where I, I, it must be like a subconscious thing, where it's just easier to call fouls on people who are like not recognizable to the common fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I felt like every time there was any sort of conflict that could go 50-50, it was just call on dice. It's true. <laughs> um, it's and true. I feel like that would not necessarily happen to someone. And and also there is a element of that that just has to do with being like not quite tall enough or strong enough. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe like Tyrant Turner could be a better anchor for the Celtics defense. He is at least taller. And he's a very, very athletic guy. Like, yeah, I don't think he's all that strong though. I don't know. No, no, but but you know, in some ways, Tice is like a twig. I know, but I think he's got like he's strong. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to disparage Tice. Well, okay, and then. So would you do it if you uh, if the trade is Miles Turner and fourteen for Gordon Hayward? Are you doing it? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I pulled the trigger on that. I I have no skin in the game for the for the draft. Like yeah, maybe maybe the Celtics get something good at fourteen, but until that materializes, I don't have any opinion on it or feeling about it. Fair. Um, and if the trade is um, if the trade is Kemba, let's say it's Kemba and all three draft picks for Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. How, I want to ride with Kemba, to be honest. Okay. That's an emotional decision, and so and I'm in on that trade. I would do it. Cool. Um, I would, and especially I would do it. The version of that trade I really like is where we are willing, where we're willing to like go into take a little on, on extra money, go into the luxury tax, and we take JJ Redick also. Wow. Uh, I'm ex- That's a or in my fucking wildest dreams where we somehow end up with Lonzo Ball. Oh man, that I, rule! I, I would fucking love Lonzo Ball on the Celtics so much. <laughs> I I just I'm such a sucker for these guys who like, who's who's like, how good they are at basketball has like no reason. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing like it makes yeah. no sense. It's just pure feel. He's also like top of the list of like guys you'd want to play with in like a pickup game. Totally, yeah. That like yeah. All, all of a sudden you you're like open somewhere you don't even realize you're open and the ball yeah. is like hitting you in the hands. Totally, like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden just like everyone's passing more because he's out there, you know. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up for this week. Um, let's uh, let's plan on doing on talking about the draft a little next week. Yeah, it's it's uh, sneaking up on us. It is. It, when is it? Is it is it the 18th? I think it's the 18th. So that's right around the corner. Yeah. All right, man. All right, man. Take it easy. You too.